Hey guys, it's Simon. This is Pro Wrestling Unlimited. If you're watching live, you know what this means. If you're not watching live, well, fourth time's a charm. We're finally working. Everything's going good. And we're here on November 5th, 2022 to talk about everything that went down today, tonight, this afternoon, wherever you are. WWE Crown Jewel. I thought there were times in this show where I'm like, yeah, can this be over by now? And then we get to some matches and I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. So there was a lot of up and a lot of downs in this show. I would say it started really well, then plateaued, then got better. Because, I mean, and let me do one thing really fast as far as my notes. I want to pull up the Wikipedia. Because they would have the um, match times. I didn't get match times. The Wikipedia should have the match times. Um, Let's see. Da, 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 da. Yes, the Wikipedia's got the match times. So, it's like... The first couple of matches were really good. And then it kind of petered out. So Brock and Bobby, I enjoyed. Six minutes on the dot. There we go. Then the women's tag title match was okay till the finish at the end, whatever. Like the match itself was fine. Good. Not bad. And then the finish just... Nikki Cross, really? And then Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. I was bored that entire 13-minute match. Then we started to pick up a little bit. In the Judgment Day OC match. Then the Braun Omos match. Omos just basically destroyed Braun Strowman until he picked up. It was almost the same kind of booking, and I'll get into this, as the opener. Tag title match, banger of bangers. Bianca Bailey, super, super good. And freaking Roman Reigns and Logan Paul. What the hell? What the? That match had no right to be as good as it was. That was WrestleMania caliber main event right there. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say it. You can agree, disagree. I don't care. I loved that main event. I'm going to open my monster for it. Let's go. Get the monster. That match was awesome. So cool. So good. Had no right to be as good as it was. And that monster just splashed all over my screen when I opened it. Let's Wipe the screw off, making it worse. Now it's going to be sticky. All I have is this little towel. All right, I'll have to clean that later. But it's like that match had no right at all to be as good as it was. And it was just an amazing... They could have put that match night two next year's WrestleMania as the biggest match of all of WrestleMania. And I wouldn't have been disappointed if it went down exactly how it did tonight. Like that match was... So good. We'll get into all of that and more, but I want to say thank you if you're watching here, twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited, or if you're watching or listening later, whether that's youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited or podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime or at least access to an Amazon Prime account, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and they always give you one free subscription to any Twitch, cha excuse me, Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here, 
PW Unlimited. But don't just do it to support us. Do it for yourself because you're going to get free games. You're going to get a bunch of free games courtesy of Twitch and all the partners that they've got. What are some of those free games they've got right now? Well, let's tell you about them. You can get yourself Fallout New Vegas Ultimate Edition, Facility 47, WRC 9, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade, the last day of June, and so much more. I'm going to tell you right now, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, WRC 9, and Fallout New Vegas, all really fun games. Again, if you're not going to do it to support us, at least do it to get yourself some free games. But if you're watching on YouTube, you can help us out over there as well by hitting the join button down below to become a channel member. As a channel member, you get early access to news, early access podcast episodes, early access to non-news videos, and so much more. Also remember, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're claiming a free game or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, Fall Guys, or Rumbleverse, use our code PWUnlimited at checkout, and you'll be supporting us right here at no extra cost to you. Yes, use code PWUNLIMITED at checkout for all Epic Games or Epic Game Store purchases. Whether you're buying, I don't know, Sifu, you haven't played Sifu yet, get, get Sifu. Sifu's great. You haven't played Grand Theft Auto V, or you don't have it on your computer and you want it on your computer, claiming one of the free games. Heck, you're trying to get. Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia skins in Fortnite right now? We'll put in our code. It takes like 20, 30 seconds to put the code in, and boom, you're supporting us at no extra cost. Again, use code PWUnlimited at checkout for all Epic Games and Epic Game Store purchases. But with that, we've got a show to talk about that, like I said, I liked the show. If I'm voting, I would say I liked it. But it had some... Mmm, and we'll get into it. But what wasn't a mmm was the opening match. Also, why ain't Titus O'Neil narrating more stuff for WWE? He's good. Really good. He narrated the opening cold open video package for this show. He's really good at it. He's got a great voice for narration and voiceover stuff. Let him do more. I get it. Like, sometimes you can get a celebrity like LL Cool J. But when you ain't got a celebrity... And just let Titus do it. As far as the opening match does go. Uh, sorry, I saw something in the chat that threw me off. It was Bobby Lashley against Brock Lesnar. And the match itself went six minutes on the dot, according to Wikipedia. Now, this match, I guess you could say, was some, somewhat of a sprint. It was a six-minute match. And it really shocked me how much they let Bobby Lashley just beat up Brock Lesnar. And then again, after the match itself, it was weird. So Lashley jumps Lesnar before the bell even rings, targeting his leg, and the crowd starts booing Bobby. Lesnar, babyface. Lashley, they hated him. They booed Lashley like he's the biggest heel in the company almost. Like he got just such loud like it was wild to see because he's perceived on Raw every week as a baby face right now. But Lesnar tries to recover after Lashley hits him with a spear early. But then Lashley spears him through the barricade at ringside. Lashley then connected with another spear for a near fall. Lashley went for the hurt lock, but Lesnar countered with a German suplex and then another. Lesnar nailed Lashley with an F5, but Lashley kicked out. Lashley 
then recovered and clotheslined Lesnar out of the ring, grabbed him, and then rammed him into the turnbuckle. Back in the ring, Lashley went for a spear, but Lesnar countered to do an F5 attempt. Lashley took him down and then applied the hurt lock. The referee started to raise Lesnar's arm like, oh, he could be down, he could be down. But then Lesnar woke up right at the threes. Like, oh, one, two. They don't do this as much as they need to. Three. Like, that's an old school thing. Like, they don't do that as much as they should in wrestling. The whole, hey, if your arm drops three times, you're freaking out. So Lesnar gets out of this. And he uses the turnbuckle for leverage. He pushes off. Lands on top of Bobby Lashley. And the ref just counts one, two, three. Because Lashley wouldn't let go of that hurt lock. Hence, not being able to kick out. Bobby loses. Immediately goes after Brock. Who's trying to compose himself in the corner. He's got him in the hurt lock again in the corner. Brock's like. He's like dying in the corner. Bobby's like this. Camera's right in Brock's face. And he's just got him. Hurt lock. And Brock's just like turning red and purple. And I'm like, holy crap. Crowd's booing up a storm. With Bobby still attacking Brock after the match. And. He eventually lets him go and leaves. And Brock's like just sitting there in the corner trying to get to his feet, but he really can't. He's just like, <sighs> Brock's selling like a big old baby. It, it's, it was a weird dynamic there. Weird dynamic of what they did. Brock Lesnar picks up the win, but Bobby Lashley is technically more dominant and the better competitor on the night, the day, the afternoon, whatever you want to call it. Very weird booking, but I'm not hating it. I thought the match itself was really, really good. <clears throat> Byron Saxon is backstage with Oscar and Bliss. Talking to them about having to defend their titles only five days after winning them. Before Bliss could respond, all of a sudden the screen next to them glitches. It shows the Bray Wyatt logo and she goes, uh-uh, well, and then goes on. And I'm like, okay, there's something there. They don't do that just for nothing. They ain't doing that just to goof around with us. No, there's something there. I don't know what. But there's something there. She seems very taken back. Or taken aback. She then responds. Oscar then says, damage control. It's not ready for Oscar and Alexa. Michael Cole then noted, there is a past with Bliss and Bray Wyatt. So let me go into our first title match of the night. It's damage control. Challenging Bliss and, and, and Oscar for the Women's Tag Team Championships. And, I mean, this match, pretty good. Except for the finish. I don't know what this Nikki Cross stuff is. Because it's like, Nikki comes out two weeks ago. Or a week and a half ago, whatever you want. Two weeks ago. Attacks Bianca, attacks Bailey, Helps Bailey. Well, attacks Bianca, helps Bailey beat Bianca, then attacks Bailey. Then has a match this week on Raw with Bianca where she loses. Then comes out tonight and costs Be- uh, Bliss and Asuka the title. It's like, what is this Nikki Cross stuff? I get it. She's crazy Nikki. But why? What is going on with all of this? As far as the match does go, Kai and Bliss started things off. After some back and forth action, they tagged out to their partners. The crowd reacted big to Bliss and Sky squaring off. Excuse me. Asuka and Bliss then hit an assisted jawbreaker on Kai for a near fall. The two then took down Kai and Sky on the outside with stereo hip attacks. 
Sky then hit a springboard drop kick on Asuka on the top rope, putting her in a tree of woe position. Sky drop kicked Asuka to the floor, who started to favor her right knee. They also talked on commentary that these two have a history, not in NXT or anything. Well, kind of maybe a little in NXT, but more in Japan, where they were kind of like in, like, I don't know the full thing, but Cole made it sound like they were like in a group together, but never actually got along. So Kai worked on the knee back in the ring, then tagged out to Sky. Asuka escaped and made the hot tag to Bliss, who ran wild on both women. There's some action in the ring with Bliss nailing Kai with the tornado DDT. Sky hit a ta uh, Sky tag didn't hit a brief. Uh, Sky tag didn't gain control, briefly hitting uh, Bliss in the face, and then Bliss nailed the code red for a near fall. Sky then met Bliss on the top rope and is assisted by Kai when Asuka would jump in to set up for the Tower of Doom spot. So they got Bliss in like a double superplex position. Asuka comes in, punches them both in the butts, and then they do the Tower of Doom. Asuka's eventually tagged in as she peppered Kai with some, some strikes. Kai hit a running kick to the corner for a near fall. Asuka then tagged in Bliss, who goes for the Twisted Bliss, but is distracted by Sky, allowing Kai to get her knees up to block the move. Io went for a moonsault to the floor, but Asuka moved, sending Kai crashing. Despite that, Sky recovered quickly enough for her and Asuka to fight inside the ring, causing the referee to become distracted. As the referee is distracted with them rolling around on the side of the ring, Bliss is going to the top for the Twisted Bliss on Dakota. Nikki Cross would then run up, hit um, Alexa Bliss, knock her down, then hit her with the twisting neck breaker off the top rope, allowing Dakota Kai to scamper over, put her arm over her, and pin her to become two-time WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. So they flipped them over yet again. They flopped the titles over, and Damage Control are once again Tag Team Champions. See a car pull up backstage, and out comes Logan Paul with younger brother Jake Paul. Byron asked how Logan feels ahead of his match tonight, and Logan said, it's just going to take one lucky punch. And I didn't really ever care for that line, the one lucky punch thing, because it basically said, oh, Logan doesn't think he can beat Roman straight up, but if maybe he catches him at a weak point, he can beat him. But he's not 100% confident in himself if he thinks he needs that one lucky punch. That was the one thing I never liked about the one lucky punch line. Also, the women's tag match went 12 minutes and 50 seconds. Then we go to the cage match with Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. This match went 13 minutes, and I never once cared for this match at all. Like, I never got into this match one bit. I was bored the entire time, especially second half of this match. So McIntyre starts off with the advantage and he lays out Cross with the back suplex. Cross cuts him off and tried to climb, but McIntyre met him on the top rope. Cross, uh, Cross crotched McIntyre as he started to gain control. The two exchanged chops, but Cross threw McIntyre into the cage. McIntyre attempted to come back, throwing Cross into the cage by laying him out with a neckbreaker. McIntyre hit a Michinoku driver and got a near fall off of it. McIntyre went to the top rope with Cross, but Cross started to fight back. He put McIntyre in the tree of woe position. However, McIntyre used his core strength to grab Cross and basically German suplex him off the top rope. Michael Cole also noted early in this match that 
Saudi Arabia events for WWE are no stranger to steel cage matches. The cross cut off McIntyre at one point with a knee, and McIntyre fought back with a spine buster. Cross came back with a choke on the floor, but McIntyre reversed it. Cross then hit a side suplex, and McIntyre ducked the cross hammer. And he then hit a future shock DDT. McIntyre attempted a claymore kick, but Scarlett provided the distraction needed to recover and take out Cross. He basically jumped up on the apron, the side of the cage, and started going like this, distracting Drew. And I go, "No, they're not. No, they're not." And this wasn't the this wasn't the end of it either. This was so dumb. Cage match is supposed to be so there is no outside interference. There is no distraction or any of that stuff. And this is when I'm just like totally out of the match at this point. Totally like, no, this is bullshit. This is stupid. This is dumb. And I never say that for Drew McIntyre matches. So McIntyre attempts to claim. Uh, Scarlett distracts him. McIntyre gets taken out with a cross hammer. Crossin starts to climb the cage, but McIntyre eventually recovers and grabs him before he can get out and nails the superplex right down to the mat. McIntyre attempted to escape the cage through the door, but Scarlett would then mace McIntyre and the referee in the face. So the door's open. She sprays Drew. She sprays the ref, and Drew flies back into the ring. They're both in the ring laying down, Drew and Cross, and she's like, the door's open. Come on, get out of the ring. Let's go. You got to hurry up. You got to go. You got to go. And Cross is like standing, sitting there. Like he's like on his hands and he's kind of like, you got him. You got him. Ah, I can take my time. He's taking his time, taking his time, taking his time. All of a sudden Drew runs over, ah, grabs his leg and Cross goes, I'm halfway out of the cage, but I can't get out no more. And freaking Drew grabs him in his ankle lock and pulls him back in the ring. Wade Barrett lets us know we've only ever seen him do that ankle lock once before, Drew McIntyre, in a match against Kurt Angle. He's like, he could do stuff like that only when he needs it. So the two start fighting, and they're going, and they're going. And Scarlett locks the door. She grabs the key and tells Drew, you can't get out this way. Uh-uh. McIntyre then starts to climb the cage as Scarlett frantically tries to unlock the door. Cross starts to come out, and I'm like, okay, you can go a little faster here, bud. Cross is, like, taking his time still, taking his time still. Cross is about a quarter of the way out this door. He's got his arm on the steel um, steel steps. He's, like, trying to pull himself with the steps. Drew looks down over us. Drew's already over the cage. He looks down and goes, ah, this guy's trying to get out? Ah, fuck it. Woo! Just let's go. Just let's go. And falls to the floor. He wins. Freaking Cross is trying to pull himself with the steps as Scarlett's trying to pull him as well. And Drew just looks down and goes, oh, you guys having fun? Okay. Just let's go. Drops down. Wins the match. McIntyre. I'm like, fuck, this match is done. Thank you. I didn't like it. I didn't care for this match at all. Like, at all. We got a car pulling up backstage. This time it's the bloodline. Minus Sami Zayn because he doesn't go to Saudi. And Roman Reigns. Byron asked Roman if he had a response to Logan Paul's comments that he needs just one lucky punch. He didn't give one. Heyman then, in, in, excuse me. Heyman then instead taunted Paul and said Roman Reigns has the greatest defense in WWE history. And one lucky punch means nothing. Solo Sokoa then mean mugged Byron like, what the, what, the, what the hell you think you doing asking that question to Roman? What, what do you think you doing asking that question? 
He then pushes the mic, and they walk off. Then a six-man tag team action. This guy's interesting. So there's some interesting verbiage by Michael Cole early in this match. So six-man tag team action. It was a judgment day. Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio with Rhea Ripley against the OC, AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows. Match went 14 minutes. So Judgment Day is making the right out to the ring. And Michael Cole's like, hey, so I want to bring some attention to Rhea Ripley. Rhea stopped me earlier today and said, Michael, Michael, come here. Come, come look at my hair. It's, it's, it's a tribute. He's like, to who? She goes, the late, great Beth Phoenix. And, and uh, Wade says something along the lines of, I wouldn't be throwing late around when talking about Beth and stuff. And so... Says he says that or whatever, and the, the match goes to start, right? It's Finn and it's Carl. And they talk about how these two have a lot of history. These groups, or as far as Finn and the other group, have a lot of history. And that, you know, Carl and Finn are founding members, and he says it, and he just says, of Bullet. He at first says the, and like you think he's going to say the club. And he's like, uh, Bullet Club. He like then gets it out like, should I say it? Should I? Yeah, I'm just going to say it. He says that they are founding members of Bullet Club and that Finn was the first leader. He would then go on to state that Carl Anderson right now is the current never open weight champion for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Then when Luke Gallows gets tagged in that he called him doc earlier because during the entrance michael cole says you know when judgment day was trying to recruit aj styles he said that he didn't need them he had his own family when he called on doc and the machine gun i'm like okay this is getting interesting then which we've heard them say this before but he then says you know gallows along with anderson are multi-time iwgp tag team champions in japan which we've heard them mention that before in their first run plus they have mentioned Nakamura being an IWGP champion. They've mentioned AJ Styles being an IWGP champion. They mentioned Brock Lesnar being an IWGP heavyweight champion. Because I think at one point they were like, AJ Styles has won titles all over the world. He even won a title in Japan that Brock Lesnar did, the IWGP heavyweight championship. They said that like in 2017. So that didn't get me as much of when Michael Cole said Bullet Club. And then when he said Carl Anderson is the... Current never open weight champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. He said those words exactly. Current never open weight champion in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's an interesting one. What's going on here? We know Carl was supposed to work the show this morning, last night for New Japan. He said, nope, I'm working the WWE show. And typically when something like that in New Japan happens, they strip you of the belt. If you don't make a title defense, whether you're sick, there's a natural disaster, or something else, they strip you of the belt. We've seen it with Moxley in the tornado or the typhoon, tsunami, whatever it was. Couldn't fly into Japan, missed his booking. They stripped him. Juice, sick as a dog. Couldn't make the show. They stripped him. And I've seen others where they don't make it or whatever, and they strip. So it's like, it's very interesting that New Japan didn't strip Carl Anderson after he was announced for a show in a defense, and WWE's outright saying, never open weight champion 
in New Japan Pro Wrestling. In New Japan Pro Wrestling. I get what you're going to say. Oh, well, didn't they say Mickie James is the Impact Knockouts Women's Champion or whatever? Yeah, they did. Because Impact asked them to say that. So now the question is, for Carl to not work the show last night, did they say, hey, mention that Carl's our champion on your show. Now, they wouldn't mention... Billy Gunn works for AEW, hence why Billy wasn't at the the DX celebration. Don't mention New Japan. Again, very interesting. Very interesting move there. Do they want to work with New Japan? We know they tried earlier this year. One way they tried to keep Brian Danielson was to strike up a working agreement with New Japan to allow him to go there. As far as the matches go, match pretty good. Pretty good, but had a Rhea finish. Anderson and Balor started the match off. Didn't last long before Gallows tagged in and pre-tagged in as well. The Mr. Uh... Oh, then uh, Dominic and AJ got tagged in. So we saw all six guys within the first couple of minutes. The OC worked over Dominic in their corner. Priest super kicked Anderson on the outside, allowing Mysterio and Judgment Day to gain the advantage. After a long period of Anderson being worked over, he got free and tagged into Gallows, who cleared house. They did the thing where we would keep trying to tag Gallows, but he's just a little too short. They couldn't reach. They couldn't reach. They pull him back, jump back over, and he couldn't reach, couldn't reach. Like, even with the long limbs of the big man, he still can't reach him to get the tag. Barrett, you know, Wade Barrett saying stuff. And so Gallows finally gets tagged in and clears house. They go for a magic killer on um, Dominic, but Priest cut them off. Balor and Styles then tag in, and Styles attempts to Styles clash, but Balor cut him off and applied a figure four leg lock. Balor went to the top rope, but Styles cut him off. Eventually, everyone got back in the ring, where Styles hit a superplex, and the Good Brothers laid out Judgment Day. There was a double electric chair spot at one point. Rhea then suddenly would grab AJ and basically just drop him face first on the apron, roll him back in the ring. Balor hits the coup de gras on Styles. One, two, three. AJ gets pinned. Judgment Day picks up the victory. Very interesting. I thought the OC would win here. No. They go Judgment Day. Picking up the win. With, of course, the help from Rhea Ripley. OC had nobody. So we'll see where this leads to. Are they going to have Beth with the OC? They did the whole, she's got her hair in tribute to the late, great Beth Phoenix. So maybe edges out filming a show for Disney Plus, Percy Jackson. And so maybe Beth comes back to help AJ because she hates Rhea. And, and then we'll see. I thought maybe they would do Raquel as the woman backup, but maybe they go Beth. Even with Edge out. The next up, we had Braun Strowman versus Omos. The finish and the booking of this match felt very much the same as the opening match where one guy just dominates the other slips into victory, and then just run. Just, that's it. And that's what this was. Omos dominated Braun Strowman for 90% of the match, and then Braun just picked up a win. Match was okay, not great. Nothing to, you know, hype up or anything, but it was it was there. So Omos dared Strowman for a test of strength. If you can reach my hand. So he's like got his hand fully extended up and everyone's like, oh, can Braun reach the hand? Can Braun reach the hand? And Braun oh, grabs the hand and they do the test of strength. 
Omos overpowered him and drilled him with a knee and then a splash in the corner. Omos was dominating, yelling at the camera at the same time, going, I could do this all day. He's no, he's no threat to me. At one point, he yelled his new catch line, monsters, monsters aren't real, but giants are. Omos connected with the Buddha at one point, and Strowman cut off Omos briefly, but Omos then fired right back with a body slam. Strowman attempted a body slam, but Omos body slammed him using one arm. Omos continued the domination, throwing Strowman across the ring. Omos went for the tree slam, but Strowman cut him off and finally managed to clothesline him to the floor. Strowman then went for the freight train tackle on the outside where he does the whole, ooh, I'm going to run around the ring and shoulder tackle you. Freaking Braun gets taken down. It's like running into a brick wall. Omos just no-sells it. He throws him back in the ring. Omos throwing Strowman back in the ring. He goes for the tree slam. And Strowman overpowers him. This thing gives Strowman the opportunity to kind of get out of the way. He gets out of the tree slam. He's then kind of backed into the corner. Omos goes to run at him in the corner. Braun moves. This gives Braun the opportunity to plant Omos with a running power slam, pin him one, two, three, and pick up the victory. Kind of the match just ending. Like all of a sudden it's just over. Match itself went seven and a half minutes, though. Did not feel that long at all. So I guess that's a positive that it didn't feel like a seven and a half minute match, but eh, it's whatever. They also talked about the whole uh, Michael Cole and Omos with Omos putting his hand over Michael Cole's face. And uh, I think it was Wade was like, I I would never let him do that to me. And Michael Cole's like, that was one of the most scariest things I've ever been a part of. His hand is as big as a frying pan. As we move forward, we got another tag title match. The Usos defending against the Brawling Brutes. An interesting note here from Michael Cole during the Usos' entrance. He states that he says, You may see that uh, the hand and arm of Jey Uso is taped up right now, which really was just the wrist. He goes, That's because Jey Uso informed me earlier today that he thinks he may have broke his wrist. He was wrestling earlier this week on the European tour and thinks he broke his wrist and will go in for an MRI Monday to know if he actually did or not. That's interesting. That's very interesting. He still worked the match tonight, no problem, but thinks that he has a broken wrist. Now, if he has a broken wrist, as we saw, he worked the match tonight, no problem. He could still work matches. I know a lot of people were asking me, not a lot of people, but a couple of people asked me, you know, I got some DMs and stuff. Oh, if Jay's got a broken hand... Do they have to drop the tag titles? Are they going to lose the tag titles? Not necessarily. Because we've kind of got a precedence of, well, Roman don't defend his title that often. So if the Usos don't need to, def- if the Usos need a little while, because a broken wrist, I mean, depending on how bad it's broken, he can come back pretty quick from that. Let's see, broken wrist recovery time. Six weeks. 12 at the most. So it's like two and a half months, three months max that he would be out of action. And in WWE doing tag matches, he can still wrestle. Just don't use that. What I think it's his right arm that often use it as little as possible and let Jimmy do the bulk of the matches. So even if he does have a broken wrist, I think they're going to be fine. And he shouldn't be out that all that long. If it is, but they stated that Jay told Michael Cole, he's going to go in for an MRI on Monday and they'll know more from there. That's an interesting one. 
So the match starts. And the uh, Brawl and Brutes get a slight little advantage. And the Usos don't want anything of it. And they go, you know what? We don't got to take this. We don't even have to do this. Give me our belts. Jimmy says, let's leave. They go to leave. But Butch jumps off the apron and tackles them both down. The match commences from there. Butch cut off Jimmy and hit a tornado DDT at one point with Holland coming in and running wild on both Usos. After laying out both men, Holland paid tribute to Sheamus with nine punches to the chest on the, uh, of Jay. On the outside, the Brawling Brutes gained some revenge on Sheamus by stomping Jay's hand on the steps. But that was an interesting one because they did that. But I don't, I can't remember if that was the hurt hand or not. Holland then continued to work over Jay inside the ring. Butch hit a moonsault on Jay for a near fall. The Usos began to fight back with some super kicks as Jimmy hit a splash on Butch, but Butch grabbed him in a triangle position. Jimmy managed to tag back to Jay as the two hit a double splash on Butch for a near fall. Holland then broke up the pin. Butch adjusted Jay's hand, allowing Holland to come back and hit, it with, hit him with a white noise for a near fall. Jimmy broke up another pin attempt here, and Butch went to the top rope, but didn't see Jay tag in Jimmy. This allowed them to cut Butch off on the top rope, hit him with the top rope 1D, and pin him to retain the tag team championships. The match itself goes 10 minutes and 45 seconds. Good match. Fun. Entertaining. I didn't hate it. And now the Usos move on to SmackDown next Friday to defend the titles against the New Day. If the Usos win on Friday, they'll break the New Day's record of longest tag team champions. If the New Day win on Friday, they take the titles from the Usos and their record don't get broken. I kind of like that. It's random. But I, I'm the kind of person that always bitches about, oh, they didn't earn it. Oh, well, they didn't earn it. And no, the Usos didn't earn it. Not the Usos. The New Day didn't earn it. But there is a reason here. They're trying to defend their record. If they can take the titles from the Usos, which in storyline, the Usos could have said, nah, we ain't going to do this match. But no, they said, we'll do it. So there, there's a reason. Yes, they didn't earn it. And I always bitch about you got to earn it somehow. But there's a reason that makes sense. A val As Mr. Banks says, a valid reason. You want to defend your titles. We want to defend our record. So next up is Bianca Belair versus Bayley in a last woman standing match for the Raw Women's Championship. They stated that both of these women are history maker. Bayley was in the first ever, I think they said first ever title match for a woman's match in Saudi Arabia. And now in the first ever... Um, First ever, um, what's the word I'm looking for? First ever stipulation match in Saudi Arabia. Give me one second. I have to respond to an important message. Sorry about that. Got a call. The kid's trying to call because my daughter just had, I don't know why I almost said sister, her soccer game. So I'm just telling them that we're live and I'll call them as soon as they're done. We're done. <clears throat> so, last woman standing. Great match. This match was super fun. 
I did and didn't like the golf cart stuff because you could see how they were not super confident in driving that golf cart. Like, Bailey goes to drive the golf cart, and we'll get to it. We'll get to it when we get to it. But they, they were, you could see that they weren't too too confident in the golf cart stuff. It's both women. So, really good match. Belair gained the early advantage, throwing Bailey to the outside. Bailey grabbed a kendo stick as she re-enters the ring. Belair avoided the sh uh, shot and cut off Bailey. Bailey then exited the ring and grabbed a steel chair, but that result remained the same. Belair avoided the shot. Bailey took out a ladder and put it in the ring, but Belair took out Bailey with a plancha to the floor. Bailey then cut off Belair and hit a suplex on the floor. Bailey, excuse me, Bailey sat Belair down in a chair and got her Hardy Boys moment. She got her Jeff Hardy moment. He jumps up on the barricade, runs the barricade, dives off, and clotheslines Bianca right out of the chair. Cool looking spot. Very cool spot. We see Jeff Hardy do it a bunch, but it's cool to see Bailey do it, knowing how much of a Hardys and Lita fan she was growing up. Bailey then introduces the table. The crowd goes bananas when they see the table. That's like the new thing over the last couple of years. When a crowd sees a wrestler pull out of the table, they lose their minds. Um, Bailey sits at the table, but Belair countered with a suplex on the ramp. Bailey pretended like her knee was hurt, so the ref's like pushing Belair back. No, 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 no. Let me check on her. No, no. Back up, Bianca. Back up. And finally, Bailey's like, "Ah, I got you." Knocks her out. Belair's down on all, all four knees. Bailey then opens like a gate on the like the guardrail along the ramp and slams it open right into Bianca's face. Bianca freaking flies back. Cool sell spot. Cool sell job there. Bailey then goes on the attack. Bailey blasted Belair with a kendo stick at one point, and Belair eventually escapes the attack and grabbed one of the steel steps and threw it to the floor. Belair gave Bailey a spinebuster to the floor as the two battled up the entrance ramp. Bailey blocked a kendo stick shot and instead gave Belair a Bailey to belly. Belair then got up right, I mean right, before the one, or before the ten. Bailey then somehow trapped Belair in a case, like a equipment case. And so the ref's counting, the ref's counting. Bailey's like trying to push the, the lid down. She's like, come on, count faster, count faster. Bianca then springs out of this box. The lid blasts Bailey in the face. She flies backwards up against the um screens. And Bianca's got the case. And she's like, <sighs> She goes to push it at Bailey. Bailey moves at the last second. It smashes up against the screen. So, uh, Bailey then escapes the KOD and puts Bela, uh, Bianca into a cross face. Bianca almost passes out from the cross face, but does eventually get up. All of a sudden, they're like, wait, where's Bailey? Where's Bailey? And Bailey then comes in on a golf cart. Now, the spot here is supposed to be Bailey almost hitting Bianca with a golf cart, but Bailey is going way too slow and stops way too far back, like starts slowing down way too far back to make it look any kind of believable that she wanted to hit her. Because, like, I don't have anything to... Uh, let's see. Here's Bailey in the golf cart. Here's Bianca. So Bailey's coming in. And then about here... She slows down, and then Bianca just whoops right out of the way. So 
was like, eh, come on. I know Bailey didn't want to actually hit her by accident, but it's like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Because it just looked bad because Bailey stopped and slowed down way too far back. So they're fighting around this golf cart. Bianca kicks Bailey out of the golf cart and they're fighting and they're fighting and they're fighting. Uh, Bailey went for a move off the top of the golf cart, but instead the two brawled on top of it. Belair got into the golf cart and drove down the ramp. Well, at first, they're like, I, I, I didn't write it down per se, but I'm remembering that like Bailey's hanging on on the top of the golf cart. And the ref's like doing something. He's like messing with something. And then he tells him, okay, go, which is weird. And so they go down the ramp. And again, Bianca stops short, slows down too soon. Bailey is supposed to then fly off the top of the golf cart and go through the table. But I think because the way Bianca slowed down and stopped too soon, Bailey had to like, Bailey realized what was going on. So she kind of like gave herself extra oomph off the top of the um, golf cart. And instead of going through the table, bounced right off the edge and hit the ring apron. Like, oh, that didn't work. And Wade Barrett had to say, well, you know, sometimes you wish you would have gone through the table because it could hurt worse. Sometimes the table can break your fall. I'm like, yeah, that didn't look all too good. Then... Bianca knew the table spot was supposed to happen. She's like, Bailey needs to go through this damn table, so I'm just going to powerbomb her through it. Bailey, Bailey, Bailey barely gets up at nine. So, like, the golf cart stuff was cool, but not well executed because I don't think both women were super confident in their abilities in using the golf cart. I don't know how much they practiced with the golf cart. I don't know how much they trained or anything for those spots. Practice. I, I just don't know. And it looks like they were not that confident. Bailey stopping too soon. Bianca stopping, slowing down too soon. And yeah, there's not much more to say other than they didn't look confident in using the golf cart and it kind of hindered those spots. So Bianca starts throwing chairs in the ring. Michael Cole makes a reference to Liv Morgan, who's been doing that on SmackDown. Belair lays Bailey. She scoop slams Bailey onto the pile of chairs. She goes for a 450, and Bailey moves out of the way. Bianca crashes face first on the chairs. Bailey gets up at a nine. Bailey's fiddling over with a ladder, and Belair gets to her feet after Bailey hits her a couple times with a chair. And one of these chair shots sounded weird. So you you hear the chair shot, a couple of chair shots. You go, bah, bah, like the normal, bah, bah, right? But there was one chair shot. So Bailey's fiddling with the ladder. Bianca gets up, and Bailey's like, do I hit her like this? Do I hit her in the gut? Okay, Bianca gets straight up, so Bailey guts her with right in the gut with the chair. But then she hits her with the chair across the back, and it goes, boom, boom. Like, where did that come from? Boom. Weird sound. It wasn't the twat, twat. It was more like a boom, boom. Kind of like a damn cartoon or something. Anyways, just a little nitpick. Um, Belair then sets up a chair after she takes advantage. She KODs Bailey. This was kind of a cool finish, but it was 
kind of too contrived, and you could really see Bailey trying to make sure this spot actually worked after the last one didn't. So Bianca's going for the KOD. Bailey's holding on to the chair and makes sure that when she comes down off that KOD, she's got the chair pulled over so her knee hits it. You could tell what they were trying to do there. So she gets the KOD on the seated chair. Belair then put Bailey inside the ladder and basically pinned her in the ladder in the corner. Bailey can't get out. Referee counts to 10. There we go. Boom. Bianca retains the belt. Good match overall. A couple of wonky spots, but nothing that you can say, oh, oh, those spots were so messed up that it made the whole match bad. No. A couple of spots that didn't go 100% as planned, it seems like. But not enough to ruin the match. So as we move forward, out comes Bray Wyatt. Bray makes his way out to the ring. He said that he used to do something to make people know who he is. He goes, I come from a very prestigious family. Some might say they are larger than life. All he ever wanted uh, to be when he grew up was great. But he had to be the greatest amongst all of them. He said that he thought what he needed to do was be a monster. And he made a monster of himself. He wore the mask with pride. But he no longer felt the pain of wearing said mask. He could no longer be afraid. He felt untouchable. And that felt good to him. He said that he found himself in a kingdom of nothingness. Sitting on an island all by himself. The monster destroyed him. And ran off all that he ever loved. Wyatt said that no one loves him. Crowd then chants, we love you. We love you. And he said that they just love the idea of him. He said that this doesn't have to be the end of his story, though. He said, my name is Bray Wyatt, and I will rewrite the ending of this story. He is then interrupted by Uncle Howdy. Uncle Howdy, can it, can it just be Bo? I hope it's Bo. I really hope it's Bo, because that'd be really cool. Bring back Bo as Uncle Howdy. Uncle Howdy appears on the screen and asks why he wears the mask. He said, you could fool them, but you can't fool me. No one knows you better than I do, and they don't deserve you. The truth is, you're going to go too far and give in. Remember just how good it actually felt. Do it. Hurt them. Just don't take the mask off. Tell him. He's wrong. So... I don't know if this is Bray fighting with his inner demons and Uncle Howdy is not a real thing and it's just something we're seeing a projection of his mind playing tricks on him or if it's actually going to be somebody like somebody under that man. I don't know. Maybe it's Bray under them. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm interested to see where this all goes. If it's actually just going to be Bray as Uncle Howdy or if it's actually somebody else. Could be Bo. I don't think it could be Vincent, but I think it could be Bo Dallas. Then let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen, our main event. Roman Reigns, Logan Paul for the undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to say right now, this match was amazing. This match was great. This match was just phenomenal. Put this match as the main event of any WrestleMania. No one's going to be disappointed. This match, WWE match of the year, maybe. Right up there with the Usos and the, the Street Profits from Money in the Bank. It's one of the best matches of the year in WWE. Woo! 
boy. It's very possible. Very possible. But you would think that Logan Paul's been doing this for more than a year. <laughs> Man, is he good. Man, is he good. Please give me more Logan Paul. And soon. Fuck it. Logan Paul win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> so, match starts. Paul went for the one punch early, and Roman went to the outside. Paul scored a fireman's carry early on, and Reigns took him down with a punch. Reigns hit a suplex for a one. Paul leapfrogged over Reigns and hit a hip toss. Then, clothesline Reigns to the floor. Paul then hit a crossbody off the barricade onto Reigns. Paul hit what actually was a maybe better than Hangman's ever done buckshot lariat. Like he does the buckshot and the way he propels himself over and then just leaps right into that hard looking clothesline. Like it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Gets, gets a near fall off of it actually. Paul goes for a springboard, but Roman connects with a punch. Reigns connected with a back suplex and applies a sleeper. Reigns takes Paul down and hits some punches in the corner before connecting with the clothesline for a near fall. Reigns misses a charge into the corner and walks right into a gut wrench suplex from Logan. Paul then hit his a blockbuster for another near fall. Paul then hit a Superman punch of his own, then went for a crossbody and a standing moonsault and got a near fall off of it. Paul started stomping his feet like HBK in the corner, tuning up the band, looking for the sweet chin music, but Reigns countered it into a Uranagi. Reigns then went for the Superman punch, but Paul hit a punch of his own right to the, the gut or the abdomen, the kidneys of Roman Reigns, and then a Superman punch for a very close near fall, what actually kind of got me, where I go, oh, they want the shock. They want that worldwide news. Logan Paul's about to, oh, okay, he didn't win. <laughs> Reigns drags himself out of the ring and tries to recover. On the outside, Paul started to clear the Arabic announce table as he grabs his phone, for, his, for, I guess you could say, his entourage. He's got guys in the front row. <clears throat> he took a selfie, lays Roman on the table, and then climbs to the top rope. With phone in hand, leaps off the top rope, and threw Roman on the announce table. Like, crashes Roman on the announce table. With phone still in hand. I'm like, oh, Okay. That's cool. I can't wait to see that social media video. So the bloodlines show up and they check on Roman. They then go over and take out Logan Paul's entourage. They throw them both in the ring. There's two guys. And they, uh, they take them both out with super kicks. This then leads to Jake Paul making his way out to the ring. He knocked out both Usos with one punch each. And then Logan went to the top rope and hit a frog splash on Roman in the ring for a two. This would then lead to Solo Sokoa making his way out to the ring. Him and Jake Paul kind of come face to face at the bottom of the ramp, but officials and referees run out between them and stop him before anything can actually happen, which is interesting that they didn't let him touch. They let Jake knock out both Usos, but didn't let him touch Solo. Usos then come out to try and get a Jake. When Logan's in the ring, there's a flying crossbody over the top rope to the outside, taking out both Usos, which was to his detriment. He gets back in the ring. Roman hits him with a Superman punch. Roman spears him and lays him out. Roman then pins him one, two, three. And there we go. Roman 
pins Logan Paul after a phenomenal main event at Crown Jewel. A main event that can main event any show. A WrestleMania, I would even say. So this match super exceeded or superseded my expectations. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I loved it. I thought it was better than I was expecting. I knew the match itself was going to be pretty good. I'm like, this Logan Paul, he's got something. I think he's going to be really good, especially in the Roman Reigns. And the, mo the, the, the amount they went back and forth. And it wasn't just Roman beating his ass and then him trying to get that one punch. No. It was them going back and forth. That was like, all right, yep, this match is great. Yep. Maybe one of Roman's best of his title reign. So, boy, yeah, he lost. But uh, since he says Logan's third match with the loss to Roman. Yeah, but pff, did anyone expect him to win? It's not real. It's scripted pro wrestling. But for Logan Paul to go in there and have as good of a match as he did with Roman Reigns is unquestionable. Unquestionably the reason why this guy needs to be around often. We don't just need him a couple times a year. Give me him almost every pay-per-view. Like maybe he doesn't have to work payback if we do another payback or extreme rules. But if we've got a Clash of the Castle, a Crown Jewel, a WrestleMania, a SummerSlam, fuck it. Put him in war games against the bloodline. I'll 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 be all for freaking Logan Paul pulling a Pat McAfee jumping off the War Games cage. Screw it. Put Logan Paul in War Games against the Bloodline. But yeah. Match was great. And then they like stalled a lot before their video package was ready to recap the show with Roman Reigns and the Bloodline and Paul Heyman walking off. And Paul's like, you're my tribal chief. You're my tribal chief. I acknowledge you. I love you. You're the head of the table. And Roman's like put his head in... Um, Heyman's chest between the two belts or whatever, and you can see Roman was spent. Roman didn't just like walk off and be like, "Yeah, I beat him," like he did, but he was also like, "Oh, he got he got me, he got me." Like Roman was tired. It wasn't just like, "Oh, Roman dominated." Oh, after the match, Roman's like, "Yeah," like Roman did the whole. I told you, I knew I was gonna win, but Roman also sold it like that was harder than I expected. That was harder than I expected. And you can tell that Roman, you can also see there were spots in the match. Like there was the one spot when Roman was kind of up in the corner. Logan ran at him. Roman sidesteps and he does the punches in the corner. You can see right before that, Roman mouths run at me. He's like, run at me, run at me. And then he throws Logan into the corner. So, I mean, there, I mean it's, it's only his third match ever. But this was great. They kept Jake Paul limited because he hasn't really done much in pro wrestling. But he looked cool as well. And when Logan came out and had that big old whatever you want to call it that he came out on, freaking podium, crowd was eating it up. Jake Paul's music hits. We didn't know who it was going to be. Like, I hear the music and I go, well, I don't know what that music is. They cut really fast and it says Jake Paul on screen. And when the crowd noticed it said Jake Paul, they lost their ever-loving minds. Saudi Arabia loves the Paul brothers. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? They love Logan and Jake Paul in Saudi Arabia. Big ass baby faces. And when Logan Paul or Jake Paul came down, they were just going crazy for him. So, hey, you found your fan base. You want him, you want Logan Paul to be a baby face. Can't be a baby face in the States because everybody boos him. Take him to Saudi, and he's a freaking he's a freaking god to these people, the way they react to him and him and uh his brother. 
But with that, that's all I got, guys. That is my review of Crown Jewel. Overall, really good show. A show that was pretty goddamn entertaining with a just out of this world mind-boggling main event. Mind-boggling in the point of, in the in the the fact of it shouldn't have been this good at all. But now, enough of me talking. I want to hear what you guys thought of the show. Remember, you could text in to 510-906-1341. Again, that's 510-906-1341. Let me know what you thought of the show. Also, before we get into that, we got to check the polls. As far as the Twitter poll does go. No, we'll go Twitch poll first. Wow. Everybody that voted liked the show. 100% liked today's show. As far as the Twitter poll does, the Twitch poll goes. As far as the Twitter poll does go, whoa. Oh, is this real? Hold on. Not wrestling related, but is this real? Aaron Carter died at 34 years old. Holy crap. According to TMZ, Aaron Carter has passed away. Wow. Yep, it's everywhere. Wow. Oh, wow. Found unresponsive earlier this morning by a friend and later pronounced dead at the age of 34. Holy crap. Aaron Carter. Dang. All right, as far as Twitter poll does go. Seventy-seven percent liked the show. Fifteen percent, well, fifteen point nine, almost sixteen percent, thought it was just all right, and six point eight percent didn't like Crown Jewel. So you ever get one of them itches on your back where you just can't reach it? It's like right that that half an inch away for you not being able to reach it. Refresh the YouTube poll here. See what we got. Um, seventy-four percent liked the show. 19% thought it was just all right. And 6% did not like Crown Jewel. Uh, this person says, best Raw Women's title match I've ever seen. Here's hoping Bianca can hold on her to her belt by the time WrestleMania comes around. Person says, amazing show. Loved it. Person says, it was okay. Congratulations to all the winners. Uh, this one says, it was an amazing pay-per-view. I give it 100 because Triple H put on an amazing show today. This person says it was fine. This person says it was solid. This person says it was wonderful. And this person says Logan Paul is actually impressive. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. As far as text messages do go, only got two, actually. This person says, what are your thoughts on Damage Control becoming the new women's tag team champions? Well, we already talked about that. Um, this person says, I think they are leading to Bailey versus Bianca. I quit. They were supposed to have that before she got hurt last year or a triple threat between them and Sasha. Well, I don't know where Sasha fits in. Why you're saying Sasha? Sasha don't fit into any of this. It says them and Sasha Banks. And Sasha could return in Boston for Survivor Series, especially after they gave clues of it. What is the list of longest title runs? I don't know about that. But as far as Sasha being just implanted into this, I don't know about that. Sasha is teasing something big coming in November for her that she's been waiting for. So, but as far as the I quit match, no, they did the last woman standing. That's basically kind of similar. I think the next obvious route is Bianca leading a team and Bailey leading a team into war games. 
said, could there be a war games between the OC and Judgment Day? Possibly, but I'm not predicting or any of the, I think these are going to be in war games and these are going to be, because we don't know how many war games matches. Because Michael Cole almost made it sound like each brand's getting war games. So there's going to be Raw war games and SmackDown war games, but we don't know if it's like, what they could do, SmackDown gets the men's war games match, Bloodline and somebody, and Raw gets the women's War Games match, Team Bianca versus Team Damage Control. I don't know. They've kind of been vague on how they're going to set these matches up. So if, if, if it's that, the men are from SmackDown, the women are from Raw, then no, not OC and Judgment Day. Plus, you would still need to add more people into that. Three on three? Nah, you need like four on four or five on five for, for um, War Games. And this person says... It looked like Solo versus Jake could happen. Maybe. And they also say, is there another match for Logan? I don't know his contract situation. I don't either. And I know he signed a multi-year deal to work multiple matches a year. And that deal was signed this year. So he's here for a while. He's sticking around, it seems like. And I hope he does. I really, really hope he doesn't go anywhere for a while. I don't know what his next match could be. Maybe he appears in the Royal Rumble. That would be the most logical thing. If he's not going to... I would say put him in war games, but if he's not going to do that, then I can see him showing up and being in the Royal Rumble. Why not? Why not? But with that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining me here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. Or if you're watching or listening later, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited or podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. We'll be back live Monday morning for the wrestling wrap-up. Then we got Monday Night Raw Monday night. With that, guys, have a great rest of your weekend. I'll see you guys next time. Have a good one, guys.